Have you heard about the 2021 Doxology and Theology Conference, April 22nd through the 24th? Now you have. Register at biblicalworship.com. We are talking about everything from theological concepts like Trinitarian worship with Kevin DeYoung and H.B. Charles to practical concepts like songwriting with Andrew Peterson and Matt Boswell. It is a time of encouragement and refreshment. A conference like this is not for everybody, but we have planned it just for people like you. Join us April 22nd through the 24th. Register before April 15th so that you can be a part of our conference. Register at biblicalworship.com. That is biblicalworship.com. Welcome to the Doxology and Theology podcast presented by the Institute for Biblical Worship at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's right. I said the Doxology and Theology podcast, a podcast for worship leaders who know that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. I'm your host, Matthew Westerholm, Associate Professor of Church Music and Worship at Southern Seminary and the Executive Director of the Institute for Biblical Worship. On today's episode, we are dipping into our worship resources to bring you a clip by Jared C. Wilson. Pastor Wilson is Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry at Spurgeon College and an author in residence at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. In this clip, taken from our 2016 Doxology and Theology Conference, Pastor Wilson calls worship leaders to be bold with the gospel. So the question before us as we look at the cross, which calls us to die, is will we be so bold to follow the gospel wherever it might take us? A lot of Christians will stand up for truth so long as it's culturally acceptable, so long as the only fallout means some little squabble for that day on social media. But when claiming the truth of Christ and his gospel being sold out for the grace of God and Jesus Christ alone, many people sort of shrink back because they're afraid of the conflict, they're afraid of the questions, they're afraid of the division, or they go back to the scriptures and they try to twist it to conform to what they want it to say or what the culture would like it to say. But we've been told in the very scriptures themselves that this temptation will always be there. It's in the very beginning. Did God really say, is that really what God said? This is at the heart of all of these sort of hermeneutical debates that have cultural implications today. Just in the last few weeks, we've become convinced that the Bible's teaching on homosexuality um, doesn't mean what we always thought it did, right? You you go one of two options. Either it, it means what it's always meant, we just don't agree with it, or as so often, um, it doesn't mean what you think it means. We were wrong about it. Instead of adjusting ourselves to this foolish message, we try our best to keep the peace. And yet Jesus has come along and said, don't think I've come to bring peace. I I came to bring a sword. And has even promised that he would divide families because of devotion to himself. And I think that Jesus sometimes even divides churches. And given what is taking place in the world today, I don't think we have any indications that to follow Jesus is going to become more culturally acceptable or more comfortable. Even the Bible Belt is heading toward the cultural ruins of post-Christendom. 
cultural Christianity is wasting away. And the outside world is becoming apparently more and more hostile to the things of faith. And if God is doing anything in ordaining these cultural shifts to come to pass, I think it may be that we're finding out who the real Christians are. I think actually the church is getting stronger. We, we have this fear, especially in the West, we have this fear of smallness, of littleness. And when we see people leaving, that, that's tragic any way you slice it. But it doesn't mean that the church is getting weaker, right? I mean, you just think of it like myself. When I get smaller, I'm getting healthier, actually. <laughs> uh, maybe not you, but me. When I get smaller, I'm getting healthier. Uh, uh, sometimes things get healthier when they shrink, actually. Maybe the Lord is sifting out his churches that his real church might rise up. And actually, that's going to end up being more missionally effective. John the Baptist, I think, is a good example for us today. He said to Herod, it isn't right that you have your brother's wife. He spoke truth to power about sexual immorality, which is not a very popular subject today either. And eventually he's executed. Why? Because he was willing to go as far as the truth would take him. He would not back down. And he didn't do it in a rude way, just a bold way. He did it um, out of love, actually, because he cared about Herod. And it's really strange. You kind of read between the lines a little bit that Herod sort of like, he admires John in kind of a strange way. He finds him interesting or something like that. And I think there's some parallels there for some sort of cultural appropriations of Christianity or Christian figures that kind of, you know, find some of our spokespeople a little bit interesting. But the minute the offense of the gospel comes to the forefront, ooh, we're done with them. I thought you were cool. And now you go and pull this stuff on us. Right? So what we need are churches that are so aligned with God that they're willing to take the scorn that is heaped on him, willing to be thought foolish. I'll just give you one brief application of this if you're a worship leader thinking this has nothing to do with music. I'll get there. I'll just give you a, like a personal illustration. Um, so I was leading a young adult ministry in a very large church. The songs that they did, I, honestly, they were awful. Okay? Just Bad songs, songs that didn't mention God. That, I mean, just sort of like, and they were in-house songs. So it's nothing that you would recognize probably, stuff that they wrote themselves. This was in Nashville where everyone's a songwriter, right? So it's just like we prided ourselves on the creativity and all that sort of thing. And we're singing these songs. I remember once, like, I turned to my wife while we were singing the song, and I was like, who are we worshiping right now? It was like about how great we were, how great we were and all this sort of thing. And I was leading, leading a young adult ministry, and the music that we were doing in this young adult ministry, uh, look, this is before like all the cool stuff we have now or like the gospel center stuff we have now, right? So this was just like stuff on the radio. It's not like weird whatever. You know, it's like Chris Tomlin and like that's the stuff I wanted us to play. And you would not believe like how divisive this was that I wanted to have songs that actually mentioned God in our worship service. And the chief concern was if somebody were to walk in and we were talking about God and singing to God, they would feel left out because they don't know God and that sort of thing. So this has real world applications and maybe your situation is not as extreme, but I actually hear, um, you know, because of the kinds I write, you know, things I write about, I talk about this stuff a lot online. And so I get messages weekly from folks who sit on worship teams, associate pastors, youth pastors who are in this state of crisis because at every meeting, the gospel seems to be an afterthought. It doesn't seem to be driving any of the stuff in the agenda. And the 
overriding concern is a sincere one. We want lost people to know Jesus, right? I mean, the, the, the overriding concern of the secret church, attractional church, what have you, is a, is a great concern that people know Jesus Christ, that lost people come to saving faith. Who could argue with that? But to keep making the gospel more and more obscure, thinking that if we could somehow appeal to these folks apart from the grace of God, we will actually win them to the grace of God, it makes no logical sense and it makes no biblical sense. We're going to end up having to offend some people in order to win those whom God has ordained to salvation. is a hard place to stop, but if you would like to hear the rest of this workshop from Jared C. Wilson entitled Gospel-Centered Worship, go to our website, biblicalworship.com, and click podcast. Click around to find our show notes for season one, episode 17, and we are happy to share with you the entire thing. That is what we have for you this time on the Doxology and Theology podcast. Our show is produced by Evan Jarms, engineered by Isaiah Small and Caleb Sherwood, and the music is by our good friends at Murphy DX. Until next time, this is Dr. Matthew Westerholm reminding you that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. Peace be with you.